0: Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. Well, thanks for coming back on the show. It's great to see you again. Um, So how are you doing? What you been up to? uh doing great chris thank you for having me again here
1: so last time we spoke we were in the middle of the first day of pandemic uh, if i remember correctly oh yeah And
0: uh, yeah it seems like forever ago right it's been
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah and yeah in fact a lot of uh a lot of uh updates that happened after that i i took up a position with the uh, government of india so mm-hmm. i joined government of india which is a very uh it has been a very unique experience so i joined uh there as a you know, the government of India has a, a think tank that is, uh, you know, directly it, it's not like a typical think tank where you uh, publish research papers, but more of a think tank that is, you know, directly uh, uh, you know, reporting to the Prime Minister of India. He is the chairman, wow. of, uh, chairman of that. So basically, it's called Niti Ayo, National Institution for Transforming India. That's the mm. you know, expansion of that. And uh, uh, previously, India had a planning commission and uh, in 2014 that was disbanded and this was formed so because planning planning is associated with the socialist kind of thinking whereas india is another market economy so when you have a market economy you have to think about transformation you know policies rather than uh, you know planning so that is why the prime minister of india and the cabinet they found this uh, institution uh, in place of planning commission and uh, yeah, uh and it has many uh, verticals. It's basically the way I think about it. is uh, It's it's a it's an organization that coordinates between different arms of the government, uh, different ministries, and different state governments. Like like the U. S. and India, also there is a federal system. You have the central government, you have state governments. They have different powers, different uh, overlaps uh, between their powers, and so on. So you need a coordinate coordination mechanism. So this this organization is uh, it, it serves three or four purposes. One as a brain trust of the prime minister. So, uh, you know, developing policies, uh, policy inputs for the prime minister uh, and the cabinet and the other ministers. And secondly, to coordinate between the different ministries in the central government, the federal government. And also uh, third is coordination between the state governments and the federal government uh, in terms of policies and so on. And, and finally, uh, it also acts as a catalyst or, or developing new policies programs that can be taken forward by the rest of the government so basically it's, it's in that sense it's a think tank in the sense that you uh, it it um, uh, functions as uh, an organization that takes uh, uh, takes a lot of ideas policy ideas and uh, and and and, and, and there is always a uh, uh, flavor of uh, transformation like mm. These are not like uh, traditional ideas, but some very new, innovative ideas. Well, so I love it. That's, yeah, that's the uh, uh, idea of the organization, and I i so, and each there are many verticals there. There are around uh, two dozens verticals there, and each vertical uh, corresponds, uh, you know, collaborates with a ministry in the government. Mm. Uh, so in that sense, the entire government is contained in this uh, organization. So I was basically given the responsibility of uh, heading. Uh, three uh, three verticals, basically. So one is uh, trade and commerce, mm-hmm. which is to uh, collaborate with the Department of Commerce to develop trade policies for India to promote mm-hmm. exports and, and deal with uh, economic relations with other countries. And second thing is uh, international affairs, international cooperation, which is not just economic, but also other kinds of uh, foreign relations. And that is in liaison with the Ministry of External Affairs. Mm-hmm. And the uh, and the third responsibility that I got, uh, which was fairly towards the later part of my tenure there, which is to develop a vision for the country, vision for the next twenty five years.
0: Oh, wow, five. that's a, that's very exciting. Yeah, I love uh, it. it. yeah <laughs> so, you know and it's and like you're describing my dream job, man. I mean, you <laughs> that, that is like the best.
1: Yeah, no, it's, that's it's, fantastic. It's really, really amazing. Wow. Yeah, because India in, in 25 years, it, it has been 75 years since India got independence from the mm-hmm. British. So 1947, India got independence. And 2047 will be the centenary year. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of uh, efforts going on in the government to come up with uh, targets for where we should be in 2047 and what should we do today. So I'm, uh, I was tasked to do that. And uh, my current position is, have, wow, that's uh, like,
0: you're, you're like Atlas holding the earth above your head. It's, like, <laughs> it's, yeah, like, it's This is a huge task.
1: A, yeah, it's, it's a huge uh, challenging uh, responsibility set of responsibilities. And uh, yeah, I, uh, what I've done, I'm doing now is I've come back to Seattle where I was before. Uh, however, I, I do continue collaborating with Government of India. I'm, I'm continuing to work on this vision exercise, vision document, and also uh, continue to advise on these other things, the trade policy, international cooperation and so on, uh, while I'm also doing the other things that we discussed before, where I'm, mm-hmm. I'm also an academic, uh, back to academia now, uh, I'm teaching at Boston College at uh, Oregon State University and University of Washington. And also um, have do a lot of consulting projects and research projects with many organizations. So that is where...
0: Wow. So uh, so how many clones of you are there? There's only three or four of the USC's. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't
1: know how you can do
0: all of this work.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, one I person. Mean, should, that's should, crazy. Actually, <laughs> no, I should definitely mention about the, the wonderful team that I have. You know, like you rightly said, you know, one person one person cannot do all these things. So what I do is I in all these things I. Uh, you know most of the times I act as a thought leader I develop the ideas thoughts and then I get help from a team to implement things Uh, but I do I'm still a hands-on person so on many things I also get my hands dirty so so it's it's like like I think one 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 uh, you know philosophy that I like in 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 uh, terms of work is that uh, the higher you go in the in the ladder in in the business ladder the more uh, people become generalists and uh, become like you know ideas developers mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. not so much the dirty people who do the dirty work you know do the hands-on work yeah but i believe in uh, doing both actually so you have to yeah. be you have to have that 50,000 feet view but at the same time you also have to whenever there is a need you have to come down and you know to uh, do the things yourself like like you know coding or um, you know, writing something on your own—all these. Oh yeah, no, to-
0: absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. You have to have both of those, and it's not like we can't. Like human beings, yeah. we're flexible enough to work at both of those levels and every level in between. And yeah. um, and, and I it- think it's,
1: it's also a variety. You see a variety of uh, work. You, you you don't get bored of just sitting and thinking, being in meetings, and so on, but also. Although I wouldn't coding. get bored of
0: sitting and thinking. I think I, <laughs> <laughs> I sat and thought all day long. That would be my I, dream job. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I, I that that's what I, I, I think that's
1: the kind of uh, you know explanation I have for the question on um, you know how how I do so many things. It's definitely mm-hmm. there are so many unsung heroes who help me, heroes and heroes who who help me. So yeah, definitely. That's, that's
0: fantastic. It. Well, that, that sounds like a dream. That sounds like a dream job. This is this is great. I'm glad that. You're doing that. And it, it's interesting that you mentioned the thing about planning because uh, uh, what, so what did you replace it with? Did you place replace it with resilience? So the opposite of planning is resilience. So you have to try and figure out uh, a map of, or a roadmap of where, where the country is going based on, you know, all sorts of crazy things could occur and you need to build resilience or how, how are you putting that map together?
1: Yeah. So actually, um, uh, the, 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 I mean, there are, there are two, two things here. One, one is, the difference between planning and transformation in terms of uh, i mean uh, 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 simple english right like uh, uh, when you just uh, think about it conceptually uh, so planning is all about uh, exactly saying that this is these are the things i'll do these are the industries that i will have these are the industries that i will promote and these are the uh, expenditures i will put in uh, different sectors and so on which which actually means that uh, you, you are pretty much when I mean, government is calling all the shots, government is saying mm-hmm. that this is how the economy should be. And that is how India was before, like India had a, a very conscious decision, when we got independence, that we'll have a, we, we called it a mixed economy, socialist and capitalist combination, but it was predominantly socialist, mm-hmm. uh, where we had, uh, we said, Okay, we are going to have heavy industries, we are going to have large public institutions, public education institutions, not so much private, and we have we nationalized our banks, a lot of our banks, right? So this this is how uh, things uh, things were done until I would say uh, 80s, right? And in the 80s things started changing, becoming more private sector oriented. So that is one thing. That is about you know planning is all about the government is doing everything. It's planning the the uh, you know every day for every citizen of India, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's But the problem with I plans
0: think... is that as soon as reality occurs, plans have yeah. to change, right? Because you know you can plan one thing, but it never it never yeah, but uh absolutely yeah, absolutely
1: right but but i'm talking even before that the very very mm-hmm. fact that you are planning for a billion people um is uh, is a bit yeah good uh, luck yeah, yeah, yeah it's 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 good luck and also it's it's like it's highly centralized you know it, it's 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 a bunch of people sitting in new delhi calling the shots of the entire country that led to a lot of uh, difficulties in the country you know uh, it's a very diverse country you have so many Different uh, decentralized things to be done. So that is the first thing between planning and what is it today. Uh, secondly, like what you said is, uh, I mean, in terms of resilience, what is being thought about now is uh, the the word Niti that I told you before. It it stands for this abbreviation National Institution for Transforming India. But also, in Hindi, Niti means policy. Mm. So uh, so previously, uh, you know, it was called Planning Commission. The the Hindi word for that was Yojana Ayog and yojana means planning and now it's called niti Aayog. and niti Aayog, literally the translation means policy commission mm-hmm. so basically the planning commission has been replaced with policy commission so instead of doing all this planning we we would rather talk about policies that would transform india and uh, and and instead of worrying about funding how much funds should be allocated here and there that is a, that is the job of finance ministry so finance ministry is still doing that they still you know uh, decide on how much money should be given to which states and so on that that's for the government
0: done. for the for the public initiatives public for the government initiatives, initiatives. exactly
1: yeah. for the government initiatives absolutely absolutely uh whereas uh, this organization uh, focuses on transformative policies and definitely building resilience is part of part of uh the mandate uh but also building consensus that the governing council although i i made it appear like it's a uh, it's an organization that is completely run by the prime minister which is partly true but it also has a governing council and the governing council includes all the chief ministers of the country so all the state governments are represented there all the ministers cabinet ministers are represented there so it's a very democratic is there like a
0: thousand people or something like that that must be a big
1: yeah <laughs> big yeah, hundreds hundreds <laughs> hundreds of people are in there <laughs> yeah, wow yeah, yeah maybe close to 100 yeah the governing council is pretty large and all are very powerful people at, at different levels state level and ministries and so on so it definitely has some democratic setup. It's not just like prime minister is calling the shots, but it's it's a very democratic thing. But in a way, it also, the very fact that prime minister is a chair, chairperson also makes it very powerful because you. Mm. it's not like um, a think tank where I've, I've been in many think tanks before I still have any affiliations. But in think tanks, you write a paper, you present it before many audiences and sometimes people take it, sometimes people don't. But here mm. it is not like that. Here you think about something, you develop something and it is taken very seriously because mm-hmm. you are in a way you are the voice of the prime minister so well it
0: sounds like you're it sounds like you're you're taking innovation from both directions right so you, it's top-down innovation from him and then it's bottom-up innovation from 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 below from below and then
1: exactly you, you really mm-hmm. uh, exactly got it because uh, it's i mean the, that's what i was coming to next actually so it's it's uh nothing can happen in a very centralized way so it's 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 about uh, like getting, um, you know, connected with all different organizations, you know, uh, private sector, uh, civil society, academic organizations, and so on, and then taking it to the top, right. So bo- both are, both are involved and, and very much, you know, we always get encouraged by the prime minister and his office to, uh, to disagree, you know, whenever, you know, whenever there is a reason to disagree, we can disagree and we can at early stages of uh, policy development, we can we can really contribute and do that. And this is also also brings me to another point, which is uh, stakeholder consultation. Right. So I, I what what I really loved about this job, because I've always been a think tank person, a researcher, a consultant, and so on. So that part is not difficult for me or new for me. But the part that was new for me was like I was sitting there as a public official, and I would uh, get so many. People from so many different walks of life coming to me with uh, so many different types of problems they are mm. facing, and how can the government contribute? How can we solve? So that was a very overwhelming and uh, amazing experience because you know I, I really got to know about. I mean, previously as a researcher, I would do this. I would go to, I would do a lot of field research, field survey, talk to people, and do this. But here, I was getting everything. People are coming to me and and coming with coming up with a lot of innovative solutions and mm. uh, and, and and problems, right? both. Uh, so that's a really great experience. You know, you you uh, uh, you uh, represent the government uh, among the population, and people come and talk to you. And you you also at the same time connect uh, with the top leadership. So it's 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 so nice to be that messenger. You know, take the uh, uh, things from the people. And also, the, the 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 unique thing about any government is that government is the only organization in any country that has the um, the 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 capacity and willingness and the uh, feasibility to uh, think on behalf of uh, the entire country. Not, yep. uh, I mean, if you're if you're, an, if you're a private sector guy, you are going to only talk about your what what is going to drive your profits. civil society, you're going to only talk about your costs that you're you're promoting. If you're a common uh, man, you're only going to talk about you know your uh, day-to-day stuff. But as a government person, you have to Think about everyone, every one of them, Mm -hmm. and um, you know uh, you have to. uh, And 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 that also gives me now that I'm back as a researcher and consultant, um, a lot of things that I used to blame the governments for, right? You know, these (laughs) guys are crazy.
0: You've been on the other side. You know now
1: why? (laughs) Exactly, I know why. They are smart people. They are hardworking people. They work like, and I was pretty much working like you know, twenty hours a day. You know, it was very, very, a lot of hard work. Mm. Uh, and very, very well-intentioned people. You know, you, you typically think, uh, particularly in a country like India, a lot of people think that uh, all the government people are corrupt and they just, uh, either they're corrupt. Oh, we think that or, in every country. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Every country, that's the thing. But actually, it's the, totally the opposite is what happens. You know, you they're really, really committed people and um, at least the vast majority. You do have you know, such people everywhere, but the vast majority are, are really well-intentioned people. So, uh, so now I understand what are the constraints and now I can, now being on the other side, now I can really factor those in while, uh, you know, suggesting policy solutions and and also when I talk to uh, you know, private sector people also, I can, uh, uh, you know, help them being empathetic to the, the policymakers, you know, how, mm. how to be more. And also one thing that I have also learned is in order to be, if you're really critical of something in the government in policies, the best way to be uh, uh, constructive there is instead of you know raising your flag and saying that it's crazy, it's bad, and so on. Start with something that is good, right? So mm-hmm. Start with the good things and appreciate that, and then come to the the, the negative points. And that really may uh, would would play wonders. I've done it many times in the government. I, I really, realized I I thought like many times I would ask as as an academic I would say, okay, this is crazy. You know, you just don't do this. Uh, yeah. But if I say that, they'll really feel hurt because they have, they might have spent like you know. Uh, months together to develop that and I would say it's it's garbage so instead of that I would say I I really find some good things I mean no no policy or no nothing that is developed by somebody over a period of time is going to be garbage there is going to be Mm -hmm. some good elements there right so you appreciate those good elements and then you say okay maybe these elements can be improved further so if you that makes a huge difference once you approach uh, the governments from that point of view uh you really can make changes so that's that's one uh, learning I got.
0: well you have to think about it from the perspective that somebody somewhere initiated this for someone's good right so someone somewhere is getting something out of it that's positive even though it may have negative effects to other people because that's the thing i mean you can't make everybody happy i mean there's a few things that a lot of people agree on uh they agree on the end result, right? So they want everybody to be healthy and they want everybody to, you know, do, have a home and they want that, but getting there is, is the problem, right? So there's yeah. things that we agree to, but the the path to get to them is always different from for every person. So it's, it's incredibly difficult to come up with something that makes more people happy than others, right? So you have to, I think you're right. You have to think of it from that perspective is that, you know, whatever is happening out there that might seem to be negative was actually had a positive intent for certain people. And we just have to figure out how to make it a positive intent for more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, uh, the, in economics, we have this concept of Pareto optimality that, that uh, many may be familiar with. It's basically uh, a solution which, in which um, uh, uh, almost, almost uh, one person is better off and nobody is worse off. Mm-hmm. Than before
0: right <laughs> so that's that's
1: yeah, what we try to do small
0: increment is is better than nothing right <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly but, but nobody should be worse off that's the
1: that's the intention
0: mm-hmm. uh, we
1: want we want at least some people to be better off but we don't want anyone to be worse off that's the that's yeah. the idea you don't want mm-hmm. any policy that uh that uh, makes everyone worse off right <laughs> or uh no that's that's really crazy i mean that that hardly happens i mean uh, like you rightly said um, most policies will have some beneficiaries at least. Yeah. So, so the, yeah. now the point is to think about the lo- the people who may lose, the people who are b- going to be worse off, <clears throat> and how do we compensate them? Like, I mean, I always take this example of uh, you know, US and Canada uh, when it comes to trade policy. Uh, when we had NAFTA, uh, Canada actually uh, was kind of uh, really deeply thinking about the potential losers of NAFTA. Mm. right so they, they understood that a lot of their manufacturing is going to move to mexico and they did very aggressive programs to uh, ensure that the people who are going to lose the industries who are going to lose are able to transform in a way that they can make use of this agreement so yeah and they kind of transformed into a services oriented economy fairly quickly and got the labor force ready for that
0: mm-hmm.
1: whereas in the us since we are a large country uh we 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 could not do that. We tried to do that. We also have this, you know, trade and uh, trade adjustment programs and so on. But we could not do a you know, good enough job there. So that's why a lot of people who were uh, working in the steel mills and coal coal mines and so on. Um, and auto industry, uh, textile industry, all kinds of industries that existed in the 80s. They all uh, quickly moved to Mexico. And, and that over time that built uh, a kind of a public opinion that trade is bad. Mm-hmm. whereas in the in, in canada because of the careful policies that cater to the losers um, it 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 became like a like trade became like a positive thing so now if you today if you compare canada and uh, us for in terms of foreign trade policy canada is a much more open country trade is uh, re- really loved by um, all you know people from all political uh, uh, parts of the spectrum uh, whereas here it's exactly the other way around. Like whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you don't think of trade as a positive thing right now. in the yep. way we are today. So I think this is just an example as to see how you can actually have a, a, a policy uh, that is really crafted properly um, um, uh, so that the people who may be uh, losing out of it are, are uh, taken taken care of. And then that will help promote the fundamental intentions of the policy further.
0: Yeah, but I think one of the, I don't know if this is a differentiating factor or not, but I I always thought that the states were more like 50 little countries as opposed to one big country. So it's really difficult to have sort of federal level policy that works everywhere because, you know, the states really have a lot of power on their own. Is it the same in India? I mean, do the states have a lot of power? Is it more... Yeah. Is it more so, federal?
1: Actually, India and US are very similar countries uh, in this way. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. uh, both are highly democratic and uh, media has a lot of freedom. And the states are very powerful. Uh, state governments are very powerful, right? And, and, and many times, unfortunately, it becomes like a political fight. I mean, pretty yeah. much like here, right? Yeah, <laughs> <have a> Republican <laughs> exactly. Republican president. And a That's Democrat, why nothing uh, happens because uh, you've
0: got the federal government and the states all battling each other, depending yeah. on, who, on who's I think where.
1: In the, US, a, in the U.S., it's a little better in the sense that uh, at least if the party, if the political party is the same uh, at the federal and state level, there'll be a lot of coordination.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, no, uh, but uh, but but in India, um, also that is true uh, if the party is the same there will be coordination but if the party if, if there are different parties there will be so much uh, conflict and here oh, yeah. uh, there could be like I've seen a lot of bipartisan efforts you know, there could be a lot of uh, situations where the, the Republicans and Democrats may agree and work together uh, in India that's very very rarely the case only when mm. there is a war you <laughs> know there is some <laughs> <laughs> uh, some kind of unity but otherwise they'll always find the uh, fault in I mean one party might have actually proposed a policy, the other party may be implementing it. Yeah. And then the, the same party that proposed it is going to criticize that.
0: Yeah, yeah, of <laughs> so course, because it's the system. other party that's. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: these kind of situations happen a lot. And like you rightly said, at state and uh, central, it's, it's a big issue. So that is one of the mandates that we had. Like I, I personally also had, because I was given a couple of state governments. So each of us were given a few state governments to work with. So for that state government, those two state governments, I was. You know the kind of voice of the chief minister to the prime minister, mm-hmm. and uh, simultaneously, I'm also the voice of the prime minister to those chief ministers. Right. Mm-hmm. So basically, I, I have to kind of lobby for both to both. Like right? so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not from a political party. I'm not from. Uh,
0: I'm, I'm. Although technically, it's very have... hard to stay apolitical, though, isn't it? I mean, it's almost impossible to stay apolitical. No, you can. Situations. actually. You can. I mean,
1: yeah, you're right. I mean, you have to as long as you're in the government. In, in public uh, forums, you have to be pro-government. You cannot, because you are part of the government. So you cannot mm-hmm. actually talk against the government. Uh, but there, there are, I, I actually found a, a good ways to also gently disagree with what is going on. So I've, I've done a lot of uh, op-eds, for example, where I would say that, I'll put it very diplomatically. I say that we are doing a great job, but there is a lot to do, right?
0: <laughs> so when I say
1: there is a lot to do, a lot more to do, that means that- so you okay, are a diplomat. Are, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. You know, you, you should- you cannot actually be like a um, yes man. You cannot just say that everything is right, but but again, you cannot be like a like a civil society guy sitting in the government. That you have mm-hmm. to be, de- be pragmatic. So mm-hmm. so uh, what I I've always uh, you know, written a lot of uh, op and made a lot of public uh, speeches where I would say that uh, you know yeah we are doing a lot of uh, good things. I will list them. But these are the things we're doing. But at the same time, there is a lot more to do. This is a country, you have a billion people. At no point can you say that you have done enough and we can relax like right? Yeah, not, exactly. <laughs> not, not many more
0: things to do. So, well, so that, can you tell me about a time when it's like an idea came up, bubbling up and you were able to, to implement it? Or has that not happened yet?
1: No, yeah, no. There are a lot of uh, instances uh, uh, in, 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 in that uh, regard, you know. Um, Many, many, many things are uh, kind of very confidential because a lot of things had to do with, you know, a lot of geopolitical things, right? Like uh, I can give a hint, like, you know, the kind of the war, the conflict that is going on, Russia, Ukraine. So there Mm -hmm. I had some roles to play there on what India's stance should be. And I had to be, had to be very pragmatic there. You know, we we want to um, uh, do the right thing. uh, And at the same time, uh, we cannot um, uh, become enemies to, any country that is, uh, you know, with whom we have a good relationship, yep. right? So, so I was closely involved in that management because uh, that's that's a very uh, important thing. And uh, there, I kind of also created some consensus within the government among different uh, stakeholders and also with uh, with other governments. So that is one uh, example. But there, I cannot go into the details. But there are other things like, for example um uh, you know bringing, uh, analytics policy, right? mm. uh, bringing analytics to policy right and bringing analytics to policy and in india you might many people might uh, particularly people in the us may be uh, a little surprised to hear but uh, analytics is not used uh, that much uh, in in policy making in india really um, yeah and despite the fact that india has a lot of prowess in you know it and analytics and so on and also the data that is generated in india is probably uh, you know much more than in any other country because a lot of transactions happen digitally now mm-hmm. and india has the largest number of digital transactions now and all these transactions are captured
0: uh in one way or the other and yeah, you, the, you must have huge masses of data like massively yeah. huge massively so yeah and the, how do, you, how, do you, how can you possibly manage all that well, I guess I mean, that, a, that dis, is a, that disparate. is what i
1: say yeah that is what i say that we have the capacity like india has the it prowess the capacity to yeah do that but the, there was no willingness actually to, to mm. do that I mean uh, uh, people are worried in the government that okay if we make these uh, data sets open or even use it for policy it's going to uh, you know create a lot of controversy I mean we want mm. to have like the thing is when you take big data and create a story visa you have a story and then and then you come up with some uh, facts and figures to support it uh, of course there's going to be a lot of uh, differences you may not get the convenient story from the data so on this what i try to do was okay let's okay we we let's be very clear that there are two different things one thing is what we are going to um, do uh, for the people at large for for the you now what 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 data are we going to share in public that is different and what data are we going to use internally for making policies and there are two mm-hmm. two different things so so i said okay let's make this difference and say we eventually we want to make a lot of data freely available for everyone so anyone can do research but we are not there yet. We don't have to go there yet. Yeah, because you so, want to see. Begin. You want to
0: see what what the ecosystem can can come up with. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Let's
1: let's open it up, and that's now happening in uh, like a couple of days ago. The finance minister made an announcement that we are going to have an open data initiative where we'll start sharing the anonymized data. Oh, fantastic! Data that's so great. great.
0: That's yeah, great.
1: So it's it's in in the progress. It 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 it's in the. Was that you? Better. Did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was partly involved in that. In, in finding oh nice, I, yeah, yeah, I was, I was bringing more and more. I was kind of convincing my, you know, other bureaucrat friends and the ministers that you know data is uh, important. We have to look at data. We may be smart people, the politicians talk to a lot of people. They are smart. They know things, but then data is very powerful. You have to look at the data to make uh, decisions. And and one pushback I got was that the data collection is not so good in India, the strategies are, I mean, the surveys that we have, they are not, they don't capture a lot of realities, ground realities and so on. I said, no, we are, we are the people sitting in the government who have to improve that. So why don't we think of best practices and improve that? Mm -hmm. And I contributed to that actually. And also, uh, secondly, uh, I also brought in a lot of, you know, international organizations, a lot of uh, other international academics to come and develop the capacity. So mm-hmm. now there is some capacity there uh, for all this trade. For example, trade negotiations that India is doing with countries, there is a lot of analytics that go uh, goes behind, behind it. So when I started off, I mean, now it appears like a really cool thing, and it's no brainer. But initially, it was actually a struggle to, uh, you know, make people convinced that you know this is all good, this is all important. We have to do this. Yeah. So so that is one one example, and the other other thing is uh, uh, where. You know, I was able to. I already told you that I, I was able to meet a lot of people, and many times there are many instances where uh, just meeting uh, such people could uh, result in some visible changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like there will be some uh, uh, company that would come and say this is my problem, and uh, how can you solve it? And I will say I will I will be able to tell them that you know this is these are these are some government schemes that you can use, and you can uh, uh, and, and you can uh, your problem will be solved. And many times that has been uh, really useful for them and that has led to some expansion. And similarly, also the very fact that I was meeting a lot of people that was actually uh, that also gave a lot of positive signal, like uh, mm. to the extent that a lot of people started getting an impression that the government is, although uh, not not many people are doing it. I was uh, kind of almost like a, I was very lonely in this and that I would be like My office
0: would be open for anyone Yeah, because usually want. usually it's like, oh, don't talk to me, don't talk to me, don't talk to me. Yeah, right? yeah for... <laughs> exactly. I was just the
1: opposite of that. And, <laughs> and whenever then... anyone invites, I would go, uh, I would come. And that is why I was working like 20 hours a day. I, was, yeah, I had to do my yeah. desk work, I would do my team building and everything. But at the same time, I was very, very public facing. Uh, and actually, that uh, also created uh, uh, a lot of impression change about the government. Like, a lot of people are mm. thinking that the government is very high handed, doesn't think much of people and so on. But just uh, one person like me doing this led to the total image change. They thought, okay, there are uh, really good people in the government who listen to people. And and and, uh, and what I realized was that all that they needed was just a person sitting like me in the government in a senior yeah. position listening. They to just me. want to be heard.
0: Most of the time, exactly. they just want to be just, heard.
1: Just heard, actually. Exactly. I was even sometimes asking them, okay, I, I hear your problems. Uh, what do you want me to do? I said, I, we'll continue doing what we are doing. We just want you to hear. Yeah, we just want you to know that this is what we're is doing. We we're very doing. grateful that you gave us a few minutes to talk to you. So yeah. we very, very touched by that. And that, that's yeah. another uh, thing. So th- there are many things like this uh, that come to my mind, like in, in terms of international affairs, in terms of analytics, in terms of uh, facilitating and helping the industry. Yeah. And another thing is like also like being in the government, I also realized that I, I have, I, I don't even have to, uh, you know, spend a lot of uh, uh, time uh, thinking on, you know, how do I fund this initiative or something like just being in the government, if I say that for example, there are many embassies in, in India, they all want to help uh, uh, Indian government do things that are impactful mm-hmm. uh, and uh, for example the Australian embassy, uh, high commission was in touch with me, so they wanted to do something, so all I wanted, all I had to do was I had to find, uh, India signed an agreement with Australia and I wanted to make sure that the the exporters in india avail this like how do they make use of it to, to do it to to export more there and uh, all i had to do was to ask this Australian uh, high commission to uh, fund a project uh, which would develop capacity among the exporters mm-hmm. and they were able to do that like i didn't even have to figure out how do i get money in the government because there's so much goodwill there uh, and being in the government if i say this and you know these things would happen so that was a very interesting thing to do. And I, I realized that that was also not being fully utilized by a lot of people mm-hmm. because I, I wouldn't blame any of them because everyone is busy with their day to day things. You just have to go a bit of extra mile to do these things. But yeah. all, all, this, all all that was needed was just a little bit of signaling that, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this is needed here, like also matching the supply and demand. Somebody needs this, somebody has this, like both of you, why don't you guys meet
0: and yeah, get it? Yeah, because right? that, that happens a lot where there's like, it's almost like uh, you can't see through it's murky, right? Then you can start making the connections between individuals that, that don't understand. It's like that in large organizations too. It's like when you go into a large organization and you, you start an initiative and you realize there's five other people doing the same thing elsewhere, but they just don't communicate with each other or they don't know that that this is happening or these connections are not being made. So just just making those connections is highly valuable.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, absolutely right. And, and that's why, but also, my uh, prior experience of being an anal- analytical person, researcher and so on, that also helped there actually because I could bring that uh, fresh perspective uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, as opposed to a career diplomat who has been there forever. Of course, they have a lot of insights too, but I, I got I got a fresh perspective because they, they, they listen to this day. If I were to stay in the government for a couple more years, I would also become like that because I yeah. I, I hear certain <laughs> buzzwords every day, certain things. Not if day, you so.
0: let people talk to you like you you've been doing, so <laughs> because you get all sorts of great input. Yeah, absolutely. but that's the thing. Yeah. It's interesting. You should say that about the communication aspect because a lot of a lot of a lot of organizations, you know, companies, governments, whatever, they it's almost like they don't want to hear the feedback because they know they're going to have to. They feel like they have to deal with it, right? Instead of just being open about, you know, like tell us tell us your problems and then we, you know, we'll see if we can do something about it. And that, that's, that's, that's a great sort of outlet for individuals because they just have this feeling that the the state is so monolithic and can never do anything for them. Just, just listening to what the issues are might be good enough, or at least, you know, help solve things a bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the politicians really understand that, you know, you might, we see in the U S we see in uh, even in India, Many times the politicians who are, who are during their campaigns and so on, they make a statement that we are your servants. We are not. Mm-hmm. We are not the bosses. We yeah. are your servants. Actually, like in the in fact, the prime minister even coined the term, uh, you know, prime servant. I am not the prime minister and the prime <laughs> servant of the country. Right. So I like, am just translating from Hindi. word, yeah. and he, that, that this, is, this is how we can do strict translation. The prime servant. So you you uh, they do that, but when it gets translated into action, that is where many times it's missing. Like when it when when like people should really feel empowered you know they they see if they go to dc and see those big buildings or go to new delhi see those buildings so much security it's not easy to get in uh, i think that is where you uh, if you uh, loosen a little bit and uh, i mean of course i'm not saying that the security thing should not be there should be there but you'll be more accessible more available to people and nowadays you can do that even digitally like oh, i'm yeah. very active on linkedin and LinkedIn, many people would uh, comment on whatever I'm doing or sometimes people would be very critical. And instead of, when, when they're critical, I wouldn't uh, push back. I wouldn't say that, uh, no, what do you know about it? I'm doing this and so on. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't go in that direction. I would say, I would first thank them. Thanks for a thanks for critical input and uh, please uh, give these inputs. And I, I might have some response to that. I might, there might be in certain things I'll respond. And otherwise, I'll also take them. I'll also say, yeah, your inputs are well taken. I'll, I'll you know see what we can do to address these problems. right? So mm-hmm. even it happened even now because I still, um, I, I I still function almost like a, like a government functionary because I've been there for some time. So I still have that affiliation as I told you. So even now I, people do tend to think of me as that. And uh, a couple of days ago, as I told you, the finance minister placed the budget, which is kind of similar to the state of the union here. And, uh, and I wrote an article about it and uh, the article was kind of, my usual way of you know diplomatically uh, both agreeing to many things and kind of disagreeing gently to certain things uh, and uh, I already got a lot of um, uh, you know pushback by people saying that you know you since you're part of the government you are kind of supporting it and so on then I <laughs> said, no no it's, it's not that you know there are uh, issues and it's it's not like saying that the half you know glass is half full <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah, not saying exactly. that the glass is full you know completely full so so and and also take take those uh, comments also. I say yeah, what you're saying is right, and uh, we have to do this. And and also, like for example, India has uh, relatively uh, high uh, tax rates. Uh, now, uh, when, when I say relatively, I mean not related to other countries in 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 a global uh, scenario. India is like right in the middle, or maybe a little lower than the middle in terms mm-hmm. of the tax rates. Like mm-hmm. if you take tax as a ratio of GDP, India is at 18 whereas 18%, whereas uh, Europe many European countries are at like 50%, 40%. Oh, so
0: yeah, it's very high.
1: Very high, yeah. And India is like pretty much in the in the, in the middle. Uh, but still, even that is, uh, one can argue that that is also too high. Like, if you go to the Middle Eastern countries, that's like 8%, 7% mm-hmm. and so on. So we can uh, reduce it further. But that's a, that's a long thing. Like but isn't, that's that, isn't that
0: a function of the sort of like natural resources and things like that, they can afford to have lower tax rates because the state is 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 richer due to that, or I mean, is every country is different?
1: No, actually, in India, the thing is the the welfare programs in India are not comparable to those of Scandinavian countries or other European countries. I mean, yeah. India does have a decent welfare program, uh, but uh, but but you know, for example, uh, food for all is there. Like food is a right in India. Like everyone, nobody stops. And that has mm-hmm. happened since the last. Uh, mm-hmm. 15 years or so since the previous yeah. the previous regime had uh, uh, enacted a something called National Food Security Act. So that mm-hmm. that like that, that is one thing, and uh, so so you don't see like uh, 20 years ago you would see a lot of uh, Indian kids starving and some very graphic photos and so on. So you don't see that anymore. So yeah, and, and similarly there are other kind of welfare programs, but you don't have the kind of for example unemployment insurance that we have even in this country right mm. so if you are unemployed you get uh, paid for some time like that you don't have in india You can be unemployed there are so many unemployed people they they won't be getting any support from the government
0: oh uh, so they they can't go directly to welfare the welfare no programs?
1: no you know un- unless there are like unless they really have to show that they are really uh, they are really poor and they are disadvantaged we have to tick a lot so of- there's
0: nothing nothing for in-, in between there's like something things for the real very poor yeah, and things for here, but there's nothing in between. That's yeah, yeah. For
1: the middle class, okay. they're they're on their own actually. So that is the that mm-hmm. thing. So that is why the taxes are also not very high. Like we, are, we don't disturb the middle class by taxing them too much, and we also don't help them when they are in distress. Right. So, <laughs> so that's a, that's the thing. So it's kind the poor of poor middle like,
0: class always get hit every time everywhere. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And and now slowly the taxes are also going down actually for the middle class. Uh, even in this but there are some announcements like that. So yeah, and middle class is also an important constituent as a, as a voter, as a set of voters. So mm-hmm. uh, so they are being uh, taken uh, care of. But to your question, uh, the welfare programs in magnitude uh, are not that huge in India compared mm-hmm. to even a country like US. Uh, mm-hmm. or, uh, but, um, uh, but, but actually also the, the welfare programs are also not expensive in India because, you know, um, with 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 uh, very limited resources you can feed uh, maybe you know uh, 10 10 or 20 times more people than uh, mm. what you can do with the same money in the us or, or mm. so that the effect effectiveness is also high and in the recent years the effectiveness of public spending has also increased a lot the last mile rates and the effectiveness has increased a lot so there are not mm-hmm. many leakages so basically the government is like the the prime minister once point this term uh, minimum minimum government and maximum governance nice. what he means is that there'll be there'll, there'll, there'll be minimum in terms of spending and uh, revenue and expenditure the government's financial um, presence will be low but the efficiency will be high so that's mm-hmm. the idea. so 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 uh, so that's the broad uh, uh, you know focus there and that is where the welfare programs are not that high and actually since uh, you know you also focus a lot on technology and innovation. Uh, when it comes to the technology, this digital transformation, the kind of points that we discussed in our previous uh, podcast, uh, I think uh, there uh, it, it, uh, the point I mentioned a few minutes before about trade policy is also true here. And it also relates to the welfare programs you we talked about. Mm. So when when you're talking about uh, digital technologies, digital transformation, like you know, even look at this uh, you know, chat GPT, open air yep. and so on, you are actually looking at uh, huge Uh, disruptive transformation, Mm -hmm. in which uh, not necessarily completely positive, there could be a lot of people losing jobs. So when, and and I've done a lot of thinking on this as an analyst and also as a policymaker, it's a very, very um, uh, difficult puzzle to solve. Because on one hand, you, uh, uh, you know, you have to skill up the population, you have to have people with high skills, you know, even I mean, the skill level is has to be so high that even the software engineers that we have in India, uh, they are really good, but with Chat GPT and so on, they may not, they may also become redundant. You oh, yeah, that's the write. number
0: one use case for Chat GPT is writing yeah. code. I oh, didn't exactly. realize that until I read that today. I thought, oh, yeah, exactly, it exactly, would be, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, so what, are, what is going to happen? And it, even before Chat GPT came, this happened. I, I remember a few years ago chatting with my alma mater in India at engineering college. They were saying that the placements, the campus uh, interviews are going down a little bit because a lot of uh, software engineering jobs are now done by AI. Mm.
0: Right.
1: So even this, I'm talking about like four or five years ago. And uh, now with chat GPT, it's just a big revolution now.
0: You know? Really? I didn't yeah. realize that. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I read that yeah. it was able to build a compiler, but it still needed a lot of work. But are you saying yeah, that there's but, actual, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it is already happening. And it is, uh, I mean, there are already concepts like zero code uh, uh, you know zero code programming and so on right yeah. so it, it's yeah. already there actually i mean it's it's, it's just uh, different levels actually i mean when we when we came when we started coding and uh, you know in the in the ancient systems like the 1970s and 80s we had to code for every small thing then we got this doi and, and a lot of those uh, the, the manual coding that you had to do uh, it's all done internally in in this UIs, right? Uh-huh. And then, uh-huh. like, there are le- different levels of automation that happen over time. And now we are talking about uh, even the, the jobs that need a lot of intelligence, a lot of uh, skill. They're also getting automated. So that hmm. is uh, a problem. Recently, hmm. I even on uh, NPR I heard about this uh, NFTs. Uh, not only NFTs, but also the uh, A for arts, right? NF- NFTs of course are going to help the artists a lot, but uh, ai for art. so you, you, using ai you develop you 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 learn a lot of different arts and create your own art using ai and oh, yeah. then uh, do an nft for that then you are basically undermining the artistic uh, uh, you know uniqueness right the uniqueness yeah. and there well i theme.
0: use i, I use uh, Dali for all of my visuals now so on my mm. blog <laughs> I, okay. it's like because if it, it's like it, you want something unique yeah. that has never been done before you yeah. just go to Dali and you enter your phrase and boom, you get a, you get an image. So sometimes it uh, does very crazy things, but yeah. other times it does f- things that are very interesting. And yeah. Um, yeah. I just think, I, th- I think it's a great thing, but it's still, I mean, it's still just a reflection of what human beings are doing because it's not really doing or creating anything new. It's just recombining things that human beings have already done. yeah
1: so so this is a very good use case of this right like you it is going to benefit a lot of people like we you and i are going to be i'm not an artist so i'm going to benefit but but at the end of the day like you rightly said it's 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 based on learning from a wide range of arts, right and and all those individual artists are going to they're not going to be recognized here they're not going to get any benefits that's that's one example of a problem which may happen and and so the scaling up is going to help. You are going to uh, and you're you going to take some of the software engineers skill up so that they can develop things like Chat GPT, they, they know how to use Chat for doing something crazy. Uh, that, that's one thing. But then that cannot be like if you, if you have 100 people working today, probably you, you just need 10 people doing this, right You don't need mm. all the 100. So remaining 90 people just still have to figure out what they have to do, right? So this needs a lot of policy thinking. So, and there, is, there are a lot of pitfalls here. Like one is, uh, this is an example of, uh, you know, helping the losers so that when, when you help the losers, then this whole process of digital transformation will be smooth and it will help everyone, right? So if you don't help the losers, then there'll be a lot of people raising their flags and, you know, protesting and so on. It's going to be a lot of civil unrest that, that may happen. Um, and so, so that is one thing. But, but But in India, you also have, we also have seen i don't know how much you have seen in the us in the us it's not that big of a deal but in india uh, some states have gone into very deep levels of welfareism mm-hmm. wherein they they give uh, food they give clothing they have they give uh, houses uh, everything to the poor, poor people so basically so they're the giving people, they're giving
0: assets and not not money so it's not ubi it's uba it's
1: more like uba yeah it's more hmm. like uba in some cases ubi is also there uh, But what's happening is when they do these things, uh, I've seen this uh, happen in a couple of states There, the labor market is so screwed up. You don't Mm. get, I mean, we are talking about this AI, the spacing jobs and so on. But on the other hand, you, and you'll be surprised to hear this from a country of such a huge population, so many young people, that it's sometimes difficult to hire a blue collar worker
0: in a factory. Mm. Exactly. I'm not surprised. That's exactly
1: where I thought things were going to (laughs) go. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's the, the, the trade-off between welfareism and uh, this, uh, you know, compensating the losers of uh, this kind of uh, technological uh, yeah. transformation. So yeah. I still don't know. I wrote a, really... a blog
0: post a while back saying that mm-hmm. at some point in the future, you know, blue collar workers are going to be paid like CEOs. Hmm, because right. the CEOs <laughs> are going to be AIs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, You're absolutely right. Um, but, but, but what I'm saying is how do you, like, uh, again, I'm now wearing my economist hat, right? How do you incentivize people to work while uh, making sure that nobody has to worry about uh, food, shelter, and clothing? Right. right. So that is a very important problem to solve in the future. I mean, we mm-hmm. we, we should solve yesterday we should have started yesterday let's
0: let's, let's figure it out now yeah yeah, <laughs> we yeah, only, yeah we only have five minutes but we can see if we can squeeze it in <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe not, maybe like... on the next show we can uh <laughs> on a three-part episode yeah yeah. We talk. yeah
1: yeah no no no, absolutely i think this is this is just a just no it's, a, it's 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 yeah.
0: a tough it's a tough problem i mean it's like and and it's funny let's like, it's like it seems like we only have two systems. It's either got to be socialistic or it's got to be capitalistic. But there must be other ways of doing it that will make it work.
1: Very true. Like I'm, I'm all for. I'm, I'm, I'm a. I would say pragmatist. Right? You can be. You can be. Certain problems have a socialist solution. Certain problems have a capitalist type solution. So I, I yep. think we should just. We should just not have any ideology. If you're a problem solver, you are a problem solver. Should yep. not uh, be prejudiced by any ideologies. That's yep. my take. Typically, both as a researcher and uh, even uh, yeah, as a policy yep. person, like, uh, like yeah. I mean, if you're criticized by both camps, then you are you are in the right. <laughs> 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 uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: well, from my perspective, it's like um, a lot of times we ask people to do things that are not that are against human nature, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. oh, you know, think think more evolved or think like this or think like that. It's like, no, 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 you know, this is, you have to take human beings as they are and go, yeah. what will, what can work?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. We should see what works in this particular situation. There may be different situations. I, I, I mean, um, if you are a purist um, in either camps, you'll say that, okay, uh, you know, here you said this and here you said this. How is it possible? I said, yeah, that that is a different context. This is a different context. Yeah, I it's like to parenting.
0: Run... You have two different kids. You have to treat them differently. Right? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, absolutely. Each <laughs> context is like a child, right? So you have to
1: you have to treat it differently. So that's what I I I think. I think uh, that is where we have most of the problems in the world now, because many times leaders uh, tend to uh, think ideologically, but you should think as a problem solver. Yeah, and we have yeah. so many beautiful concepts, so many beautiful uh, solutions we have all around. We just have to come, and, and this is a very classic example, what we discussed before about uh, this digital transformation, UBI, uh, the welfareism, limits of welfareism all these things, something mm-hmm. that we really have to think uh, uh, deeply, and we have to have a very calibrated response. We have to, uh, we, we, there is no one size fit all thing for that, like every yeah. country, every state, every, um, yeah, maybe even every household <laughs> need, needs a different type oh, of approach. Yeah?
0: Well, eventually we're going to get to that level. We're going to, we're going to, because everything is, be, it will be hyper-personalized, right? Yeah. Because yeah. everyone will have their hyper-personalized home or location or food or whatever. And, you know, we, we need to get to that point sooner. And there are ways of funding it. It seems like there's enough money in the world. There's enough resources in the world, enough ideas in the world. There's enough people working on things. We just have to somehow orchestrate it all
1: Yeah, absolutely. to make it work. Yeah, and- yeah, and and uh, decentralization is is uh, is the best way to do that. You yeah. kind of crowdsource things and and so on. And uh, in, in India, this has been working quite well. Uh, like the other uh, brief thing I want to mention is about this innovation ecosystem. So there is a mm-hmm. uh, national level innovation ecosystem which works on schools, uh, individual schools, individual colleges, and they particularly focus on the rural areas, the 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 government, the public schools, which are very uh, you know not very highly funded and students who are very poor there and they are very successful and those many students from those places they they start from the school they call it tinkering labs they first start mm, as mm. Uh, tinkering with ideas and so on and then they as they, as they get get into college they have incubators and then they get into startups and and a lot of there are a lot of startups that have come through this and some of them have even become unicorns nice. so i think nice. this this innovation ecosystem is, is very important like it. And and like this, there is this concept of bottom of the pyramid, right? So this bottom of the pyramid concept is what is uh, really working there. Because if you like once I spoke in a forum about uh, uh, people from uh, entrepreneurs who are from small small towns and villages, they were they were kind of lacking confidence. They were saying that you know we don't have we don't have the kind of exposure that the big guys have. How do we do this? And I said they have something unique that others don't have because they have they they know the pulse of the people. What what what. Uh, what really happens in india is happens in the rural india and they know that and they can develop solutions that can be that can be much more uh, that can have much more of a mass appeal than the uh, the, the, the the elite people who cannot exactly. cater to that, that that short audience i think mm-hmm. that kind of uh, reaching out to the masses the bottom of the pyramid uh, with innovation is is very important and that can solve a lot of these problems i think that that's how you you basically catalyze and facilitate these things and you'll you'll get beautiful solutions coming
0: out. yeah no that's you're exactly right it's like we, we have this there's this it's almost like a bias against going to those places and getting those solutions because they think oh you know these people are backwards or they don't know what they're talking about but it's actually closer to you know the core of what human nature is all about so you're getting get better solutions coming from the bottom up than you'd ever would than you'd ever yeah. think you would
1: yeah, and another related thing is we should never approach these things from a paternalized, paternalizing kind of approach. We cannot exactly. Say that, okay, I know what what is right for you. That's yeah. not going to work because they know they know what they what's right for us. We should be more like an advisor. Okay, mm-hmm. I I understand, but I've seen a little bit other things, and I want to just see if I can make sense. And I want to learn more from you. Like, like that's the approach we should take. Yeah, uh, because they are with a lot of these. Uh, uh, rural areas and so on—they have a lot of traditional knowledge systems, which which are time-tested and so on. So I think we should be uh, very uh, careful when we deal with the small organizations, uh, uh, tier two cities, and, and and so on. I mean, this is this can apply to any country. Like if you are yeah. talking about those places, typically we—if you are living in New York or Bay Area or Seattle or these kind of places—we think okay, we are. We are like, we are from Mars, right? yeah. So we know, <laughs> we, we know things you guys don't know. Like you're it's Midwest, very different. Uh, yeah, exactly. So we, we have to change that attitude and uh, be yeah. more collaborative than being like, uh, uh, like kind of bossy. Right?
0: So yeah, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. Yeah. We have to do yeah, this you. again. And we yeah. definitely have to take, take on the big problems of the world in our third, in our third installment. <laughs>
1: Sure, sure, Chris. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that, and uh, thank you so much for having me again. Looking forward. Thank you so much, and
0: then uh, I'll. If you have new contact information or anything like that, just let me know, and I'll, I'll set it. I'll put it in the contact in the notes.
1: Sure, it's the same actually. Right. Same uh, my email that we have been communicating. That's good enough. Yeah.
0: Okay. Good. Sounds great. Thank you okay, so much. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Talk Chris. to you later. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.